I don't want to try to preach after that. Praise the Lord. That's good. Isn't that wonderful? That's him. Well, I think you probably have figured out that the uh, pollen has gotten here. And uh, mom came over this morning. I rubbed my finger down her windshield. I said, what is that? She's, I said, it's just pollen. I didn't want to give her a heart attack. But uh, if you're like our crew, we've got the, we've got the pollenitis. And uh, so I guess the next few weeks we asked for it, didn't we? We wanted warmer weather, Brother Ken. We got it. But with that comes the pollen. Praise right. the Lord. But you know what? Could be worse, couldn't it? So praise the Lord for that. Again, good to see you tonight. Why don't you turn to Proverbs 24. Proverbs 24 tonight. And uh, it is so good. You know, uh, I don't ever, and there's been times, Brother Matt, where I have not enjoyed my salvation. I don't, you look at me and say, well, I always have. You lie. Right? It's not always easy, is it? But I, I found for me, probably this would be true for you, uh, typically when, when something is painful, right, or, or uh, I don't even know if I want to use the word painful, just as uncomfortable, we tend to stay away from it. You're right. And the very thing that probably helped us, we stay away from. So what happened to me, what happens to me is sometimes I'll get in that place and you know, it's just uh, things are not going right. and Things seem like everything's going wrong. Instead of drawing closer to the Lord like we should, you know, it's like, well, I don't, I don't feel like going to church. I really don't feel like praying. I tried to read my Bible, couldn't get much out of it. And we start drawing away, right? And so uh, I tell you, just uh, lately, uh, spending time in my prayer time and my Bible reading, God is just, Brother Jimmy, he's really been, it's been sweet. It's been good. And, uh, you know, I, I want to stay there, Brother Bart. That's where I want to be, right? Because it's real easy to get our eyes off of him and get him off of, uh, as she's saying, crossing over Jordan, which is coming soon, I believe, don't you? Uh, and we get so caught up in what's going on here and we lose our joy. And so... Uh, Let's, uh, let's keep our eyes on the right thing. That's right. Amen. Amen. Proverbs 24, I want to begin in verse number 15. The Bible said, lay not wait, O wicked man, against the dwelling of the righteous, spoil not his resting place. For a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. Rejoice not when thine enemy falleth, and let not thine heart be glad when he stumbleth. Right. But I don't tell you what, I like verse 16. Verse 17 is hard, isn't it? <laughs> right. I mean, let, let, let's be real tonight. You know, when, when, when somebody is our, oppresses us and God gives them what, they, what they've asked for, a lot of times we're not careful to go see. <laughs> right? Yeah. Amen. We, right? right. Well, the Bible tells us we're not to do that. Why? Verse 18, lest the Lord see it and it displease him. And he turn away his wrath from him. Fret not thyself because of evil men. Uh oh. I don't know about you. Verse 19 is hard for me to do too. Neither be thou envious at the wicked, for there shall be no reward to the evil man. The candle of the wicked shall be put out. My son, fear thou the Lord and the king, and meddle not with them that are given to change. For their calamity shall rise suddenly, and who knoweth the ruin of them both? These things also belong to the wise. It is not good to have respect of persons in judgment. Well, that would be kind of nice to have in the day we live, wouldn't it? Verse 24, he that saith unto the wicked, thou art righteous, him shall the people curse, nations shall abhor him but to them that rebuke him shall be delight and a good blessing shall come upon them Amen. so in these few script, scripture verses uh, uh, the Bible's telling us how we're to deal with wicked men right. right how we're to deal with wickedness in our society and I'd say it's pretty relevant today wouldn't you I mean when we look at what's going on in our world today not even just among the the heathen not even among the atheists not even among those who 
do not name the, Christ, uh, the name of Christ, but as we even look among those that will call themselves Christians, we're seeing a deterioration away from godly things. I mean, let's be honest. I never thought 10 years ago, 20 years ago, that we would have to deal with some of the things that we deal with today. I mean, you know, years ago, if a man and woman lived together, you could preach on it, and people would amen you, and, and they'd know they were wrong. You do that today, you're going to divide half the church in most places. So we're at a day where if you drink, uh, start uh, preaching on drinking and, and uh, you know, these immoral things you could preach on 10, 15, 20 years ago. Now all of a sudden uh, you got a good portion of people that claim to be Christians that see no, nothing wrong with it. And so wickedness abounds in our world, doesn't it? If we know it is real and prevalent, how do we deal with it? I mean, we got to... We have to live in this world. We're not to be of it, but we do have to live in it. So there must be some way that God is telling us that we can live in this world and still retain our, our testimony, still live righteous in a wicked world, still uh, name the name of Christ and bring glory to Him in a world that uh, wants nothing to do with it. So most importantly, how does God tell us to deal with it? Well, I'll give you four things tonight, so don't get too nervous. I only got... Two subpoints per, amen. Number one, he, he uh, tells us uh, how we're to deal with felony. And what I mean by that is wickedness. And verse 15, the Bible said, Lay not wait, O wicked man, uh, against the dwelling of the righteous, spoil not his resting place. And so understand here that, that God knows everything. Can we agree with that? You know, we, we, we sometimes think that God understands uh, us but that he has no clue what's going on in, in, the, uh, in the wicked world. And so here, the plot overheard by God in verse 15, he knows what's going on. He, matter of fact, he says here, lay not in wait. He's not saying that to the righteous man. The, the scripture is talking to the wicked man against the dwelling of the righteous, spoil not his resting place. And so God knows how to protect his people. Can we say amen there? I mean, really, if one day if God reveals to us our whole life and we see the times where maybe we should have been injured, maybe we should have been hurt, maybe even killed, but then we see how God protected us, I, I believe uh, that it would amaze us. I think that if you and I knew as we walk out every day all the danger that lurks around us and, and uh, we've heard stories of uh, one missionary, I don't remember Brother Russell, you may know better than me, but uh, he was... Uh, in a uh, foreign country and uh, the, the people there were anti-missionary and they had plotted to kill him and right. later on he won some of them to Christ and said why didn't you kill me on that night he said because of the, the, uh, the uh, warriors around you because of the army you had around you he said I didn't have an army but God had sent his army yes, and so I'm saying we ought to live in a wicked world just having the confidence and faith in the protecting hand of God and the resilience of the good man and the ruin of the wicked man. Listen, God's going to set everything in order one day. And it doesn't seem like it's today. I understand that. And it's probably not going to be tomorrow. And it may not even be in our lifetime. But God's going to set everything in order. And so the plot of the wicked man is no match for the protection of God. Do you realize tonight, in order for something to happen to you, God has to allow it. Remember Job? Listen, uh, God said, have you considered my servant Job? And God had to allow Satan to do anything to Job, and then he still set parameters around what he could do. Amen. So, so if I believe, if I have faith like I say I do, when something I don't understand happens to me, Brother Jimmy, I've got to figure somehow it's in the will of God. I cannot reconcile that if I don't have faith with Romans 8.28. I can't do that. I must believe that God has, uh, has control of everything, or if he doesn't have control of everything, he doesn't have control of anything. It's all or, Listen, when, when it comes to God, it's all or nothing. He doesn't want to be Lord of some things. He wants to be Lord of all things. He doesn't have control of certain things. He has control of all, uh, everything. He doesn't know some things. He knows everything. He's not in certain places. He's in every place. Amen. It's either all or nothing with him. And so we need only look at the end of the story. We heard it preached and I've said it and they've sung about it. Praise God. I read the back of the book and what? 
We win, amen. So I just got to keep going to the back of the book when I don't understand what God's doing in my life and why he's allowing some things. And I have to understand that God knows uh, the words. Of, do you realize that God knows the, the uh, intent of a man's heart? Brother Johnny, Satan doesn't. Somebody look at me like, well, no, no, see, he's not all powerful. He can only do what God allows him to do. And he does not know what's going on inside until you verbalize it. Don't you, hey, don't you attribute the power of God to Satan. So the plot overheard by God in verse 15, but then in verse 16, 18, notice the Bible said, For a just man falleth seven times. Now most just men, I know they fall once they're done. Most people say they love Jesus, let's be honest. They get their legs kicked out one time, they're, they're done. The Bible said a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. Is that you? It should be us, shouldn't it? But the wicked shall fall into mischief. Rejoice not when thine enemy falleth. Let not thine heart be glad when he stumbleth. So God overrules the plot. So the wicked man has a plot to harm the righteous man. But God overrules the plot. And so uh, resilience overrules wickedness. Listen, when you look at the seven churches over and over and over, he talks about he that overcometh, right? Now I realize this, I'm not saved by me overcoming, I'm saved because of him overcoming. But I also realize this, my friend, may I say this, we are not pleasing to God when we give up. God didn't raise quitters, right? Remember what your mama told you? Quitters never win and winners never what? Quit. Don't quit. Hey, Satan's beating up on you. Keep getting up. Praise God. He, he, he knocks you down again. Get up again. Knocks you down again. Get up again. The wicked man knocks you down. The man knocks you down. Praise God. Get up again. And the Bible said the good man gets knocked down and gets up. The wicked man will eventually fall. So the wicked will fall, but notice what he said in verse 17. Rejoice not. That's hard, man. I'm going to tell you what. Listen, that is hard. Somebody's beating you down, oppressing you, beating you down, beating you down. Be they're winning. You feel like you're losing. Then all of a sudden, God turns the tables. Automatic, you know what our flesh says? Yes. Right? Mm, he got what he deserved. God said, don't do that. Don't do That's hard. We, we feel like there's some justice finally being served, right? They got what they deserve. But understand this. Listen to me, church. You didn't get what you deserved. I didn't get what I deserved. Hallelujah. See, judgment does not lie in our hands. It lies in his. He told Peter. Remember, Peter said, Lord, how many times am I supposed to get, forgive somebody? Seven. Seven. To, to them, seven was an outrageous number. That was beyond the scope of forgiveness. Jesus said, no. Seventy times seven. Now I see some of you right now, you're going. So when I get it at 491, I don't have to forgive me anymore. You're missing the point. Right? So that, that's the same people that when Jesus told men that if they look on a woman to lust after, they've committed adultery in their heart. That's the same type of mentality to say, well, you might as well do it. Oh, come on. You're right. You're right. See, we miss the principles of God. God is saying, listen, I want you to be so, uh, so to the other end of this thing that you don't even think about stuff like that. I don't want you necessarily just not to look on or have adultery. He said, I don't even, I don't even want you looking on women. Right? I don't want you to count seven times of forgiveness. I want it to be an unlimited number that you understand that as many times as God forgives you. Right? Think about this. Now, I don't know about you, but I've had to confess the same sin over and over and over in my lifetime. Brother Eddie, one time wasn't enough. Two times wasn't enough. Sometimes ten wasn't enough. And I just got to get on my face and say, God, I did it again. Now, if God will forgive me over and over and over, 
What right do you and I have to look on someone and say you got what you deserve? Because we, we're not getting what we deserve. You let God be the judge, right? Amen. And that's what he's saying because rejoicing is foolish because, listen to me, you might also fall. I've said it before, you, some, and, and when I've said it, many of you shook your head like this, right? How many times we heard, Brother Matt, my kids will never. Right? I'll tell you what, when my kid's a teenager, they'll not do fill in the blank. Right? Don't listen. How many times you said, I can't believe brother so-and-so did this? I'll never do that. Right? You better be careful. Because we're all made out of the same dirt. Only thing keeps us from going that direction is hopefully our walk with God. Right? So the plot is overruled. Then in verse 19 and 20, he deals with this thing of worry. Notice what he said, fret not thyself because of evil men, neither be thou envious at the wicked, for there shall be no reward to evil men. The candle of the wicked shall be put out. So in verse 19 20, he's dealing with fretting. We don't use that word much anymore, do we? Don't, don't fret. Right? Young, young people, they go, what does that mean, fret? Right? I, I'm not talking about the thing on your guitar either. In other words, he's saying in verse 19, just simply don't fret. That's right. You say, well, that's easier said than done. I didn't say it's easy, right. right? Don't worry. Well, I, you just, that's easy for you to say, preacher. Listen, let me tell you something. I got bills just like you got. I got kids just like you got. Right. Right. Hey, we got, we got health just like you got. Amen. Amen. The devil beats up on us just like he beats up on you. Listen, I promise you there's not insulation around our house that keeps the devil from trying to beat our door down either. So, so I'm not saying it's easy for you but or hard for you and easy for me. I'm saying it's difficult for any of us. We just had COVID. Now, I don't know about you. You start, you start figuring out how much uh, the mortgage payment is, how much the light bill is. They don't take faith checks down at the power company. Everybody's, they're talking about everybody losing their job. And hey, there's something inside of me, brother. I was going, the Lord, I know you got this under control. But there's a little something in me going, not me, preacher. I trusted God through the whole thing. Well, let me ask this. How come, how come we opened the church back up? We didn't see you for six months. Huh? You better be careful. I don't worry about anything. Oh, you do. Or we go to the other side and say, I can't help it. That's just who I am. I worry about everything. Well, listen, don't brag about that either. We need the help of God not to worry. But he's telling us not to. So if he's telling us not to, guess what? It's possible. What he's telling us is possible. So how is it that we don't fret? Here's how we do it. Listen to me. You got to take the long view. You got to take the long view. How many of you remember? How many remember when you bought your house, right? And that first payment came, and you went. What have we done? Right? You got 30 years or 15 years of paying that payment. Right? You know why you, why you did that? Because you knew at some point in time you was going to write a check for that last one. Right? You took the long view. How many of you, let's be honest, you started at a job when you were 20 years old. You're retired now. How many of you, every day you go to work, you go, boy, I love this place. <laughs> I, I mean, this ain't even work. I do it for nothing. Most people are not going to do that, are they? Why do you go in every day? Because one day you're going, one day 
going to be my final day. You took the long view. My friend, may I say this? When it comes with your walk with God, you got to take the long view. Every day is not going to be good. Every day is not going to be easy. Every day is not going to be sunshine and, and rainbows. Amen. Every day is not a walk in the park. There's some hard days when you're serving God. But you got to take the long view. Listen, let the devil beat up on you. Let the devil beat down your door. Let all the stuff. But And I'm not saying it's easy. Don't get me wrong. But if what's over there is better than what's here, take the long view. If what's over there is not better than what's here, Man, you signed up for the wrong thing, didn't you? I mean, I mean, if heaven's not going to be better than what we got here, let's just live it up down here. This is the best it's ever going to get. But see, we're serving God because we realize that, that one day we're going to see heaven. One day we're going to see loved ones. One day we're going to see Jesus. And it's going to be better over there than it is here. So let's not fret about what's going on here. Let's not worry about what's going on in politics. And let's not worry about what's going on with this war. And let's not worry about so much about all this going, stock market. Not, why? Because it's better over there. We don't fret, but then guess what we... Don't forget. Don't forget this. The wicked will get what is due them. Because God is righteous. And God would not be merciful if it were not for God's righteousness. His judgment will come. I don't know when. I Listen, you don't know when. No man knows. So if you're caught up in, well, I... I read this book and this guy said this, wasted your time and money. You say, I, I've been watching this guy on YouTube and he knows, he says he knows when Jesus is coming. He's a liar. We ought to, you know what we ought to do? We ought to start trying to be the welcoming committee. Let, let, let's, let's do all we can to have it all ready when he comes. Amen. Let, let's do all we can to take everybody with us when he, when he uh, raptures the church out. Why? Because, friend, may I say this? His judgment will come. So don't fret. Don't forget. God will always do right. Even though we don't. Number three is verse 21 22. He deals with this concerning fickleness. Fickleness, what? I didn't say pickles, right? Bible said in verse 21, My son, fear thou the Lord and the king. Notice, and meddle not with them that are given to change. That's, that's where we are today, isn't it? Everything changes. Verse 22 says this, For their calamity shall rise suddenly, and who knoweth the ruin of them both? So, here's what I want you to see in this scripture. He's dealing with instability. You, you, you know people like that? that right? Several, several years ago, there was this movement called the seeker-sensitive movement. And, and what they did, they'd send out a survey. The church would send out a survey in the community and ask people what they wanted in a church. What programs, what type of worship, what, what type of atmosphere, what would cause them to come to church, and that's what they did. You say, well, that kind of sounds like a good idea. Here's the problem, a couple problems. Number one, it's not their church. But number two, the very people you're catering to will change what they want, and then they're either going to leave or you're going to have to change again. Right? And so every time we don't like something, we want to change it. So, so we, we get that book right there. We'll say, hmm, that right there, I don't like that. I think, I think if we reworded this, It'd make more sense. We need, we need something for more modern English, right? Because really, all these newer things are doing, they're just taking out the these and the thous. 
Well, I'm not very smart. But if the only problem, Brother Brad, I have are the these and the thous, I can get around that. Right? I can get around that. I don't have, I can figure out what thee or thou means. Right? Here's the problem. My word is forever settled in heaven. It means you do whatever you want to. God said he's already settled his word. Hello? So if God has settled his word, and the Bible said, I am the Lord, I change not, and religion's changing, and society's changing, and Christianity's changing, well, we have to modernize it for the culture we live in right right yes sir what happens when it changes again that's right amen what happens when it changes again yes sir well if god's saying he doesn't change yes sir and his word doesn't change then maybe what we ought to do is just stay here and i'm not talking about methods right we got to be careful with this thing cuz sometimes we'll say well you know we're going to do things like they did in 1930 Sounds good. Here's the problem. We ain't living in 1930. Right. I ain't talking, don't get, don't, don't, don't get the fur on the back of your neck up. I ain't talking about compromising. I want to go back to the 1800s. Well, we're going to have to pull up the asphalt. So you're covered wagon your horses don't mess the asphalt up right brother johnny said it when he prayed we're gonna have to rip this out some of you that's doing this when it's too hot this one's too cold ain't not gonna help you any right we're not talking about methods we're talking about the message we're talking about the lord right we're talking about you and i need to know what we believe and have convictions in what we believe. Why? Because if we don't know what we believe and we're not convicted by the word of God in what we believe, we can be swayed. Right? Our minds can... And I'm not talking about... I need to be careful here. But Matt, there's some things that early on in my Christianity, even as a pastor, that I believed... That now I know we're not right. But they weren't biblical. They were tradition. Yes, they were things, Brother Jimmy, this pastor said or this church did. And, and I'm not against tradition. I'm not one of these, these uh, new whatever they are. That Well, if it's not, if you can't find it in the Bible, if you don't have chapter and verse, then it's just tradition and we don't have to do it. I don't believe that. Right? right? There's some traditions that are pretty good. Right? You don't find Sunday school in the Bible. That's right. But I think Sunday school is a good idea. Yes, sir. Amen. Yes, sir. It doesn't tell you you got to come Sunday morning and Sunday night in the Bible. That's right. But I think coming twice on Sunday is a good idea. Amen. Right? Amen. It doesn't tell you what time to go to church on Sunday, but listen, we do it 10, 30, and 5. There's some do it at 7 and 11. There's some do it at 6 and 11. It doesn't say when. That's right. I think it's a good idea to come. Right? So, so before you throw everything out, there are some things that are tradition that we ought to hold on to. There are some things that are tradition that we can do better. But when you're around people that are always changing, right? I heard this and I believe this now and I heard this, I believe this. They're, they're not stable, right? They're not stable. And a double-minded man is what? Unstable in all his ways. When you get around people that are always changing, right? Always changing their mind. Always changing what they believe. Always changing what they think. Here's the problem. There's instability. So the Bible says we're to stay away from those who constantly change. Yes, sir. They change with the wind and have no conviction. 
They're pragmatists and really don't have moral ideals. Sounds like politicians, doesn't it? Here's here's the problem. I'm going to break it down for you. What they do, Brother Brad, you'll see. Well, polls show that, you know why they do polls? Because they want to know what people think so they can tell you, this is what I think now. When you, when you, that's one thing in that realm. That's a whole other thing when you're talking about Christianity, right? I want leaders, and I'll get this in a minute, that have some convictions about what's right, not what's popular, right? Because what's popular is not what always what's right. And a pragmatist that looks at every situation and goes, well, this would be better here. And here's something else. It's not just politicians, and it's not just sports figures, and it's not just entertainers, and it's not just preachers. Amen. I've right. seen some of them change. Right. It's not just churches, right. but sometimes it's people. I've seen a lot of people when their kids were this high, they had some standards and convictions, but then when they got a little bit bigger, they didn't want to go to the youth group because it wasn't fun, and they don't want to dress right, and they don't want to sing this kind of song, and now they want to go to concerts, and they want to go to worldly things. Well, they're just teenagers. Here's the problem. They say they're saved teenagers, right? When they were saved children, you wouldn't let them do that. Now they're saved teenagers, and you're saying, well, it's different. Right? So it's not just the politicians, and it's not just the entertainers, and it's not just the preachers, and it's not just the churches. If we're not careful, we can all do that, can't we? Then with that instability... We have to deal with insecurity. Now I'm going to tell you something. You might like it. You might not. But I'm still going to say it. People that are always, Brother Kenneth, have to verbalize what they think are usually insecure people. If you re- Listen, if you really believe what you say you believe, you don't have to convince everybody else is right. The person that has to convince everyone else they're right, usually somewhere in there they don't really think they're right or they don't know for sure. I don't have to argue with people about the Bible. I don't have to argue with people about the resurrection. I don't have to argue with people about the, the, the gospel. I don't have to argue. I'll present it to them. I'm not going to sit there and argue with them, right? I don't have to prove my knowledge of something. Now, I understand the Bible says we're to, we're to study to show ourselves approved that we are to give an account or an answer uh, for what we believe. But th- that's not what most people do. They just want to argue. Right? And that is, it, listen, that meekness that the Bible talks about is strength under control. Jesus was not weak. He was meek. And so we have to understand that when we're insecure, you know what we do? We lash out. That's right. we, we change. That's right. If you know what you believe, right? If you know what you believe, if you know your Bible, that's why we got to study. That's why we got to know the Word of God so that I know what I believe. I don't have to have some preacher. I don't have to have some college tell me what I believe. I know what I believe, right? So there's that instability and that insecurity and people are fickle they're always changing right well this is how I feel today this is what I think today when you're ruled by emotion when you're ruled by your listen ready what what has become popular in the last few years my truth oh that's my truth what's that what's that mean you have your truth I have my truth thought there was one (laughs) called the truth. You can have your opinion, I can have my opinion, but we can't both have our own truth when it comes to one thing. Now we have our perception, right? 
we may have an accident and uh, Brother Matt runs into Brother Shane, right? He slams into him. Brother Shane said, man, he turned right and slammed into me. And Brother Matt said, no, 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 I didn't do that. He ran into me. But if somebody has a video, there it is. Brother Matt was on his phone. And I heard him say, there's Brother Shane, I'm going to run all over him. I heard that, right? There's the truth. So what we're doing, right, what's going on in our world is we don't want truth. That's right. You're right. We want everybody to do what's right in their own eyes. And that changes, right, with how we feel. The environment we're in, the, the pragmatic approach is whatever, situational ethics, whatever uh, people around me are. Listen, that's the problem with Christianity now. I'm a Christian in church, but then when I get to the job site, they're not Christians, so I have to fit in. Right? The problem is fitting in. You say, what's wrong fitting in? How can I win them? How John the Baptist do it? And I don't know if you know it or not. When John the Baptist didn't have on Sunday go to meeting robe, he looked like a he looked like a nut. You don't have to fit in. We have to we have to be stable. Then verse twenty three, the Bible's dealing with favoritism. He said these things are uh, also belong to the wise. It is not good to have respect to person in judgment. The Bible tells in the New Testament, God is not a respecter of persons. The book of James deals with that favoritism, right? And so here's what we have to understand. He deals with something called bias. And when we think of bias, it is in our nature to be biased toward those we deem unacceptable. You say, I'd never do that. I'll guarantee you would. Let me give you this example. We're sitting here tonight, having church, family walks in, shirt and tie, kids have come in, they're all dressed for church, wife's dressed, dressed for church, we'll go, y'all come on in, right, sit down right here, boy that's a good family right there, you let a man and woman come in, clothes all tore, hair looks like they've been in a wind tunnel, smell bad. Mm. Right? They come down, plop down beside of you. You know what? I'm telling it right. See, we 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 automatically think that one they'd be an asset to church. This one over here is probably just come because they they need a power bill paid. Huh? Good. I'm telling it right. Yes, sir. Better be careful with that. That's right. Here's the problem. If if you if you didn't know the nail prints in his hand, Jesus walked in. You may not want him here. Hello. Little kids coming in on the bus. We gotta be careful now. We don't want them corrupting our children. You ever thought your children might corrupt them? I don't know if you know it. Church kids ain't exactly walking on water with halos. I've been around them my whole life. I've been one of them. Hallelujah. Amen. That's right. Same stuff. Man, I listen. My mom will tell you. I grew up in church. I didn't fight a lot. But just about every fight I got into had to do with church. I got in fight church, church camp. That's why they told don't you ever go to church camp again. No. Church kids are mean. Because their mom and daddies are mean. Some of the meanest, meanest people I've ever met say they're saved. Right? You better be careful when you start favoring this one over this one. Right? You better be careful when you start elevating this one yes. over this one. Yes. That's 
Better be careful with that bias. Because if God, listen, you, can I help you with something? You, you do know what we're called, don't you? You know what the Gentiles are called, don't you? Dogs. Gentile dogs. Remember that woman that came to Jesus? He said, I'm not giving, I'm not giving the children's bread to you. You Gentile. She said, even, even the dogs get the crumbs. Be careful. We start, we start pulling on our spiritual suspenders. Huh? One of them old, one of them old people down in Mexico. They don't, why are we giving them money? Right? What about, what about them, what about them missionaries in Bulgaria? Why are we giving money over there? Let them, let them raise their own money and start their own church. Huh? Solomon is warning of the danger of bias. When we're biased in favor of someone, we treat them differently. Now, I understand this. There's some people, we're all family, right? Can we, can we say amen there? There's some family you get along with better. There's some family you enjoy doing stuff. Maybe your kids are the same age. Maybe, you know, you, you like golf or hunting or fishing or, you know, whatever. But you shouldn't treat somebody else That's different. Right. Yes, sir. That's good. Yeah. So we gotta be careful. How how do, how do we fix it? Right? I mean, we, easy to identify the problem, brother Bart. How do we fix it? Right. Blindness. Come on. That's good. Blindness. What do you mean? Well, if I'm blind, I don't know what you look like. I don't know what kind of clothes you've got on. I don't, right? We're, we're, we're to be blind to that. So, when we do that, we are to be blind to favoritism. We're not to be a respecter of persons. We're to treat everyone the same, no matter who they are. Well, let me, t- let me be honest with you. You ain't going to do that without the help of God. You're just not. Just not going to do it. You're not going to forgive people without the help of God. You may say you do. I'm going to forgive, but I ain't going to forget. I got you. I'll move on, I'm done. Verse 24, 25, the Bible said this, He that saith unto the wicked, Thou art righteous, him shall the people curse, nations shall abhor him, but to them that rebuke him shall be delight, and a good blessing shall come upon them. So in these two verses, he's, he's dealing with uh, things concerning fairness. I like fair, don't you? Here's the problem, what we think is fair and what God thinks fair is not always the same. We want what's fair to us, right? We get to esteem what is fair to me, and that's what I, that just is not fair. We're like children. That's not fair. That's not fair. God, that's not fair. You blessed him and didn't bless me. God, that's not fair. I went through this and he didn't. God, that's not fair. I go to church every time the doors are open. I'm going through this. You're not the arbiter of fairness. Neither am I. So understand this. Uh, he's saying we have to look at fairness in justifying the wicked. What do you mean by that? Look at verse 24. He that saith unto the wicked, thou art righteous. Yeah. Him shall the people curse, nations shall abhor him. Right. Now watch what I'm going to say. Because it's going to probably sting. When we like somebody, when we favor somebody 
we'll overlook a lot. Right? We don't want what's fair. We want what we want. I'll give you an example. You take what's going on in our politics. They're all guilty of the same thing. It just, you know what, you know what determines who's guilty and who's not? Who you pull for. That's exactly right. Who you pull for. Find, you find secret documents in this guy's closet. They ought to throw him in jail. A couple weeks later, you find it in this guy's closet. Don't hear nothing about it. Both sides, by the way, right? Both sides. This guy's, this guy's a whoremonger, but he's, boy, he's helping me. We're going to overlook that, but this guy's a whoremonger. Oh, no, he's not qualified. See, we don't want truth. We want what we want. Yes, sir. That's right. Ready for this? Somebody else's kid says one word in disagreement with your child. They're the devil. Your child could slit somebody's throat, and it's different. Right? right? Amen. You're right. You're right. Why? Because we're not as fair as we think we are. That's right. Help us, Jesus. You're right. We're willing to justify the wicked right. if we favor them. That's right. Amen. Right? So, what you and I ought to do is stop being the judge. Yes. Realize there's a, there is a judge. Yes. So the justifying the wicked, the careful, uh, be careful to be open-eyed to everyone, right? Wise as serpents, harmless as doves, right? So unrighteousness cannot be justified no matter who it is. And then judging the wicked. He says, God honors those who stand for right. Verse 25, but to them that rebuke him shall be delight and a good blessing shall come upon them. So we are not judging. God's already done that. We're just standing for what's right. So what we hear today, Brother Jimmy, is, you know, the Bible said judge not lest you be judged. Well, if God's already judged, then I'm not judging. If I proclaim what God's already said, guess what I'm doing? Proclaiming what God's already said. So we're, we're in this mindset, and here's what it leads to. That men will do what's right in their own eyes. And when that happens, guess what? We're in trouble. Yes, sir. And that's where we are. That, that, that's, why, that's why churches that will believe the Bible, preach the Bible, people are leaving them. They'll say, well, that's just legalism is what the, these people just don't want. They, they, they want what the Bible says. No, they don't. They want part of the counsel of God. Brother Russell, they want the, they want the grace side of it. They want that Jesus forgives everything and you, he knows who you are and you, you live like you want to and right. you, it's okay. Right. It's all good. Grace, grace, grace. Come on, tell it. Cheap grace is what it is. Right. They don't want to hear, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That's right. Be holy for I am holy. See, we got to give the whole counsel. And so when we do that, then it's, all you're doing is judging people. Well, I'm not give you this example I'll close so the idea that we have today that's being portrayed by our world is love is acceptance yeah. right? right do whatever that's good. Preach, preach accept it right. but if you have someone when they tell you Here's what I'm going to do. And you know it will destroy them. You know they're going to die. Do you warn them? 
Or do you say, well, listen, I love you, so I'll just accept That's right. the direction you're going. Good. And then when they die, you say, well, you know what? I, I didn't want to judge them. I didn't, I didn't want to, I didn't want to, you know, I wanted them to know I loved them. But now they're gone. No, you wouldn't do that. If you loved them, you'd do everything you could to keep them from going over that cliff, wouldn't you? And that's what we're to do. That's right. And we don't have to be angry. We don't have to be militant. We just have to say, you know, the Bible says, if you'll just, if you'll use those phrases and make sure the Bible does say it, by the way. Not I say or not I think, but just simply the Bible says, then it's not you judging, it's what God said. Now when you start throwing up the, well, I think and I believe and I, I," no, just the Bible says. But you know what we got to do to be able to do that? Got to know the Bible. Don't throw up my preacher said. Then they'll come after me and I'm going to say, I didn't say that. Wasn't me. We, we live in a wicked world. That's right. We got to learn how to deal with it. Yes, sir. God gives us the solution. Yes, sir. Let's stand together. Bow our heads tonight. The altar's open. Thank you so much for your attention, for being here. You come, maybe maybe in your life, in your home, in your family, whatever it is, maybe people you work with, you see them going down that road. And you want to help them, right? Won't you pray and say, God, give me the words to say. Help me to be compassionate. Help me to see myself as a sinner. Isn't it amazing when you look at the life of Christ? He did not. He did not shun sinners. But he also didn't leave them like he met them. Some having compassion making a difference. Compassion makes a difference. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your word. May it penetrate our hearts tonight. Help us to deal with this wicked world. But also understand that if it were not for the grace of God, many of us would be right there in the midst of it. Thank you for being so good to us. Help us to have compassion. Help us to love others. And share with them the good news of the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray.